Jesus. We are going to start a uh, series on the nation of Israel and their history. Um, some of this will be, you should say old hat, should be very familiar with you. Uh, you should know these stories, uh, especially today's lesson, which is uh, the beginning of the nation. Um, but the purpose of this study is to go through, especially when you look at like uh, some of the uh, major prophets and minor prophets, and then also uh, Samuel, the books of Samuel, Kings, Chronicles, some of that history that people often forget uh, or don't know. Uh, and so we want to go through a history lesson of the nation of Israel because people get confused when you talk about the mystery in the New Testament. They think it's saying the same thing, right? So you need to understand some of the history of the nation of Israel to be able to see that difference, right? Because some of the verses that are talking about the New Testament talks about people that were not my people, right? So people make that the Gentiles. Or he will gather people from other countries, right? Well, that's the Gentiles, people say. And once you study the nation of Israel and their history, and you know uh, books such as the Major Prophets or uh, the Kings, you can uh, understand what that's actually talking about. Uh, and so that's kind of the purpose for this lesson. Uh, and so today we're going to start at the beginning, right? And of course the beginning uh, goes back to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, right, God created heaven and the earth, right? So Genesis 1.31, we know that God created and made everything that is. And at the end of his creation... It says, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day, right? And so everything that God created was good. It was man, right, that corrupted things. In Genesis 3, when they rebelled against God and ate of the forbidden fruit, and so they were cursed because of that. In verse 17, it says unto Adam, he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. Right, so you now have this curse upon the earth and upon mankind because of their sin right, and their wickedness. Uh, but you also have a promise here in Genesis 3 verse 15. He says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Right? He's talking to the serpent there, talking to Satan. So you have this promise of a seed of the woman right, that will come and will bruise the head of the serpent. Right? That's a, a promise. You don't have much there other than there's some seed coming, and it's going to bruise the serpent's head. Right? But this is the beginning of God foretelling and showing his plan and purpose for the earth, right? Uh, and so then you have in Genesis 4, Adam and Eve begin to reproduce and populate the earth, right? It says, Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain. and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother, Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground, right? So you have Cain and Abel who were born uh, from Adam and Eve. Um, there are roughly 1,656 years from Adam to the flood. 
Uh, and you can know this by going through Genesis 5 and looking at the years it gives for when so-and-so begat so-and-so. Right? And then that person lived such-and-such years and begat so-and-so. So you do the math, and from the days of um, Adam to the days of Noah are roughly 1,500 years. I'm sorry, roughly, yeah, roughly 1,600 years. I'm doing my math now. Um, roughly 1,100 years. And then it says Noah was, I believe, 600 years when the flood came, right? Uh, so you have a, roughly 1,000 years to Noah and then another 600 to the flood. Right? So that's how you do the math on how old the earth is when the flood happened. Uh, so most people just say it was around 1,500 years, right, when the flood happened. Um, but you do that by doing the math, right? In Genesis 5, verse 3, it says, Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. In the days of Adam, after he had begotten Seth, were 800 years, and he begot sons and daughters. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Right, so you see, Adam begot sons and daughters. They begin to replenish and populate the earth. Uh, by Genesis 6, 5, so in 1,600 years, the earth has become utterly wicked, right? It says, God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, right? So this is the state of man uh, by this point of time in history. Uh, this is what Romans 1, 18-32 is talking about when Paul is talking about the wickedness there in Romans 1, 18-32. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, into birds and forfeited beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change a natural use into that which is against nature, and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lusts one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, spiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. And so this would be talking about that time between Genesis 1-6 and also the time between Genesis 6 and the making of the nation of Israel. Right? This is God giving over Gentiles, or the world, to sin. Right? Uh, they were condemned sinners. Right? And as you read Romans 2, 
he starts to talk about the Jews that were given the law and how they are also sinners, right? And so he says God has concluded all in sin by Genesis 3. All right, so he has showed Gentiles are in sin, but also Jews are in sin. And he goes on to explain the mystery, how God can offer grace to all because all are sinners. All right, but that Romans uh, 1, he's talking about how Gentiles were under sin, right? And that would have been here in the beginning uh, by Genesis 6. But also after that, because it was only Noah and his family, it happened again, right? He talks about the man with the man, the woman with the woman. You think about Sodom and Gomorrah. All right, so by that time, uh, man had become wicked again because God gave them over to their reprobate mind because they didn't want to retain God in their knowledge, right? Even though they could clearly see from the creation of the world that God existed. And so God, of course, judged. Uh, in Genesis 6, 7, it says, The Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repented me that I have made them. Right? And so God destroys man for their wickedness. Look at Genesis 7, verse 19 through 24. It says, And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased and bare the ark, and it was lifted up above the earth. And the waters prevailed, and were increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went upon the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beasts and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth and every man. All in whose nostrils was the breath of life, and of all that was in dry land, died. And every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle, and uh, the creeping things, and the fowl of the heaven. And they were destroyed from the earth, and Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed upon the earth in hundred and fifty days. So you have here, right, the judgment of the wicked. Uh, and so it's important to note, again, as you think about right division, uh, Peter talks about things spoken since the world began, right? Which are things prophesied, things for Israel, uh, things for their covenant. Well, Noah and the ark and the flood is a type of the tribulation, right? Because Israel will go through the tribulation, but they will be saved from it, right? Noah went through tribulation, right? He went through the flood, but he was saved from it because of his faith in God, right? Um, so you have that type there, a type of the tribulation, a lot of people say it's a type of you being in Christ. Well, if you're in Christ today in the body of Christ, you're not going to go through tribulation, right? So it's not a picture of you going through tribulation in Christ Jesus. Right? It's a picture of Israel going through the tribulation, and yes, God, Christ, saving them through that, preserving them through that. Uh, and so after the flood, you have Noah and his family, and it is them who begin to replenish the earth. There in Genesis 9 verse 1, it says, God bless Noah. And his sons, and said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth. Right? So the same command he gave to Adam and Eve. And there in verse 19, it says, These are the three sons of Noah, and of them was the whole earth overspread. Right? So from Noah and his three sons and their wives, this is what populated the earth after the flood. The problem is they were still sinners. Uh, there in verse 20, it says, Noah began to be an husbandman, and he planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine, and was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, and told his two brethren without. 
And Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were backward and they saw not their father's nakedness. And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. God shall the Lord Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. And Noah lived after the flood 350 years, and all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. So you have this story of, first of all, Noah getting drunk, right? And then also, um, Ham seeing his father's nakedness, and probably boasting about it. He tells his brothers, right? And his brothers go and cover him, right? And so uh, Ham and his descendants, Canaan, are cursed by Noah. Right, so you see here this sinful situation, right? Because man was still sinners even after the flood. Uh, and so by Genesis 11, it says the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them. Thoroughly, and they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach into heaven. Let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built it. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this is why they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech." So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth. From thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. These are the generations of Shem. Shem was 100 years old. And we got Arphaxad two years after the flood. And Shem lived after he got Arphaxad 500 years, and we got sons and daughters. So you have here the lineage of uh, Noah's sons on down through there. What you have here in Genesis 11, everyone speaks the same language, and they're all gathered together, and they're going to try to make a name for themselves, it says. So again, you can already see they're not praising God. They're trying to raise up themselves. They said, we're going to build a tower into the heavens, and we're going to make a name for ourselves. So this is the judgment of the languages, right? It hinders communication. So God comes down and confounds the language, and... They can't no longer work together, right? Uh, so this was a judgment by God. Um, but also a mercy because if every wicked person could communicate together, imagine the wickedness they could come up with, right? Which is what was happening here. Um, so God confounds it. They can no longer communicate. They have to go their separate ways, right? Um, and so that also, the Bible tells you where the different languages come from. Um, so that is sort of the beginning, I believe, up until Abraham uh, is roughly 2,000 years, right? So the flood was in the 1600s, so in 400 years you have the Tower of Babel, right? You have man still being wicked uh, there uh, shortly after the flood and judgment of God. So again, it just shows you the wickedness and the, the depravity of humankind. So God, again, he gave them over to a reprobate mind. But yet, he still has a purpose he wants accomplished. This is why he chose Abraham. Uh, there in Genesis 12, it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, into a land that I will show you. All right, so the Lord God calls out Abraham. 
you look at Nehemiah 7, Nehemiah 9, verse 7. Says, Thou art the Lord, the God, who didst choose Abram and brought us him forth out of Ur of the Chaldees and gave us him the name of Abraham. Right? So God didst choose Abram, who called him out and gave him the name of Abraham. In Isaiah 51, verse 2, it says, Look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah that bare you, for I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. Right, so that God says, I called him, right? I called Abraham, and it was for a specific purpose. So again, you think about the wickedness of the world. God is choosing out or picking out Abraham according to his purpose, right? And again, it goes back to uh, what was part of that purpose. Well, Genesis 12, 2 through 3 tells you, it says, I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Right? Ultimately, that is fulfilled in Christ Jesus. Right? So again, it goes back to Genesis 3.15, a seed will come. But if all the world rejects God, who is that seed going to come by? Right? So he calls out Abraham, gives him a promise, a covenant, and says it's going to come through you. Right? Um, Genesis 12, 2 through 3 says to make a nation that will bless all the other nations. If you go to Matthew 1, 17, so jumping way ahead in history, if you start in chapter 1, it gives you a genealogy. It says the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then verse 17, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations, and then the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. And so you have from Abraham to Jesus Christ is 42 generations, right? 14 plus 14 is 28, 28 plus 14 is 42. So it gives you that genealogy from Abraham all the way to Jesus Christ, showing you that Jesus Christ came from the seed of Abraham. Right, so again, you see how this is connected, Genesis 3 to Genesis 12, all the way to Matthew when Jesus Christ is born. Right, this was part of the purpose for God choosing out Abraham, right, was so that a seed could come, so that Jesus Christ could come and give redemption to the world. Right, we know now part of that plan was also today in this dispensation of grace that Christ would die for the sins of all humanity so that by faith in him we could be saved by grace in Christ Jesus. Right, that wasn't known prior to it being revealed to Paul, uh, but you see God's starting to plan that a seed's going to come, right? Uh, that part wasn't known, that a seed would come. Um, 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 13. God talking to David, it says, And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. And he shall build a house for me, for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So you see it, this is one talking about Solomon, who built a house for God, where he says, I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. 
That's a prophecy of Christ, right? Because Christ is the seed of David that will sit on the throne forever. Look at Jeremiah 3. Verse 16 through 18. It says, It shall come to pass when ye be multiplied and increased in the land. In those days, saith the Lord, they shall no more shall say no more the ark of the covenant of the Lord, neither shall it come to mind, neither shall they remember it, neither shall they visit it, neither shall that be done any more. At that time they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord, and all the nations shall be gathered unto it to the name of the Lord to Jerusalem. Neither shall they walk any more after the imagination of their evil heart. In those days the house of Judah shall walk with the house of Israel, and they shall come together out of the land of the north to the land that I have given for an inheritance unto your fathers." So, of course, that is talking about the new covenant, and when the kingdom is fulfilled, it's going to be called the throne of the Lord, right? because Christ is going to sit on the throne in Jerusalem. So, again, this is part of the purpose of God calling out Abraham in the beginning. A lot of times we just read these stories and we think, it's a good story. Right? Abraham was a man of faith. There's more to it than that. Right? So, God working out his purpose, working out his plan. He creates man. Man is sinful, wicked. Well, God promises, I'm going to give you a seed to redeem. Right? He doesn't say all that in Genesis 3, but you can see him working there. Right, seed's going to come. And so he has to choose out someone to have this purpose come to fruition. Right? So he chooses out Abraham, gives him a promise, and says, I'm going to bless your seed. And your seed will be a blessing to all the families of the earth. That seed ultimately being Christ. Uh, and also, of course, the nation of Israel that God will use to establish his kingdom. Right? So you see how it goes hand in hand. So you have that promise being given to Abraham, right? It's according to God's purpose so that one day Christ will come and sit on the throne forever. In Genesis 17, 19 through 21, he also makes the same covenant with Isaac. It says, And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him. And will make him fruitful and multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he begat, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this time, at this set time in the next year. Right? So he says, My covenant is with Isaac. Right? He is the one that I am making the covenant with. There in Genesis 21, 1 through 5, it says, The Lord visited Sarah. As he said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time in which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. Right? So Isaac is born as God said he would be. And so then Isaac... This covenant being with him and with his seed, he bears Jacob and Esau, and the covenant is made with Jacob. In Genesis 25, 24 through 6, it says, And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel. His name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. So you have here the, uh, Jacob and Esau being born. Uh, and so Jacob ends up having 12 sons. 
which you can read about in Genesis 29 through 30. It's not always the same uh, woman, as you may recall, Laban. He works for him for seven years to marry Rachel, and Laban deceives him and gives him Leah. Right? So he realizes what happens after he's married to her and says, you fooled me. So Laban says, we'll work another seven years and I'll give you Rachel. Right, so he ends up getting both daughters for wives. And as you read the story, uh, Rachel is barren. So she gives her handmaid to bear children for her. Right, so it ends up being like four women that Jacob has his 12 sons with. Uh, but nonetheless, he has 12 sons, uh, which will make up the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, we'll look at that in a minute. Uh, but again, you can see here types uh, in the Old Testament here in Genesis. Joseph being a type of Christ. Or if you remember the story, we won't look at all the scripture for the sake of time, but Joseph has a dream that his 12 brethren are bowing down and worshiping him, right? The stars and all uh, come and worship him, right? So he tells this, and they, of course, despise him. When you think about Jesus being prophesied that he would sit on the throne and the nations would bow down to him, right? Uh, not only that, uh, it was prophesied that Christ would come to his own, and they would not receive him. Well, Joseph goes to his brethren, and they don't receive him. Right? They throw him in the dungeon, or uh, in the pit. Right? They end up selling him to the uh, Egyptians. And so what ends up happening is they reject their brethren, but he goes and he's seated as second in command. What happens to Jesus after he dies and resurrects? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Right? Uh, and then ultimately, Joseph saves his brethren. Right, uh, so he's a type of Christ uh, for the nation of Israel. Right, he comes to his own; they reject him. And then he ends up sitting on the throne and giving them salvation. Right, uh, so you have that type there as well. Joseph being a type of Christ. Uh, but going back to jo uh, Jacob, Jacob. Uh, this is how you get the nation of Israel. It could also be known as the nation of Jacob, because Jacob's name is changed to. Uh, Israel. Here in Genesis 32, verse 28, it says, And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And if you go to chapter 35, verse 10 through 11, it says, God said unto him, Thy name is Jacob, thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. And God said unto him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall be of thee, and kings shall come out of thy loins. And the land which I gave Abraham and Isaac to thee I will give it, and to thy seed after thee will I give the land. So you have here again the covenant being made with Jacob and his name being changed to Israel. So again, this is how you get the nation of Israel. This is the nation of Jacob. Uh, because it's Jacob's twelve sons that make up the twelve tribes of Israel. Uh, there in Genesis 49, if you read the whole chapter, it's, uh, it's Jacob, or Israel, blessing his 12 sons. And at the end, it says, All these are the 12 tribes of Israel. And this is that their father spake unto them and blessed them, everyone according to his blessing. He blessed them. Right. So you have here the 12 sons making up the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, in Revelation 21, verse 12, 
phrase 12 tribes of Israel does not appear very often in Scripture, but you see it here in the end, in Revelation 21, 12. It says that this kingdom that comes down from heaven had a wall, a great and high, and had 12 gates. At the gates, 12 angels, and the names written thereon, which are written, uh, are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Right, so you see the kingdom in Revelation that Christ establishes has to do with the nation of Israel. Right, because the names of the 12 tribes, which are the names of the 12 sons, are going to be on those walls. Uh, and so each tribe is named from the sun. Right, the tribe of Judah, the tribe of Benjamin, the tribe of Dan, the tribe of Reuben. Right, it's the sons of Jacob, in case you didn't know that. Um, that's where the names of the 12 tribes come. Uh, but at this point in time, with Jacob and his sons, they're really not a nation yet. So you have to remember that. Um, when they go into Egypt, they're really still just a family. Uh, if you look at Genesis 46, again, the story of Joseph, he goes to Egypt being sold in slavery, but ends up saving his family from the famine and says to his brethren, go back and bring your father and your family to Egypt here. So here in Genesis 46, verse 26, it says, all the souls that came with Jacob into Egypt which came out of his loins besides Jacob's son's wives, all the souls were threescore and six. So other than the wives of Jacob's sons, uh, everyone that came were threescore and six. Uh, a score is 20. So that's 66, plus you say the wives. Uh, if they only had one, that's 78. All right, so 78 people isn't really a nation, right? It's more of just a big family coming into Egypt. So again, God is still making of them a great nation, right? This is the beginning stages of that. Um, part of what makes them a nation when they really become a nation is when they come out of Egypt. Uh, if you look at Genesis 15, it was prophesied that they would be enslaved. Right, so again, after Joseph uh, dies, a new pharaoh is uh, raised up in Egypt. He doesn't honor Joseph or remember Joseph. And so he puts the Israelites, into captivity. Uh, but this was prophesied to Abraham in Genesis 15. Uh, verse 13, it says, He, speaking of God, said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterwards shall they come out with great substance. He says, your seed is going to go to a land that's not theirs. God didn't promise them the nation of Egypt, right? Um, or the land of Egypt. So he says, I'm going to judge that nation after 400 years, and your people will come out uh, with great substance. And so God prophesied that this would happen. Uh, in Genesis 45, verse 17 through 18, As Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Say unto thy brethren, This do ye, laid your beast, and go, get you unto the land of Canaan, and take your father and your households, and come unto me, and I will give you the good of the land of Egypt, and ye shall eat the fat of the land. Right, so Pharaoh commanded Joseph you know, to bring your family unto me. And of course, Pharaoh at that time was the good Pharaoh, the one that honored Joseph and had set him up as governor over the land. And so the new Pharaoh raises up, they put Israel under. Uh, bondage 
And then in Exodus 12, 29 through 36, it says, It came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. So this is the tenth plague. It says, He smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne, unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt. For there was not an house where there was not one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up and get you both uh, forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go, serve the Lord as ye have said. Also take your flocks and your herds as ye have said, and be gone, and bless them, me also. And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We be all dead men. And the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading troughs being bound up, and their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them such thing as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. So what you have going on here after this tenth plague, when the firstborn is dead, Pharaoh finally gives in, right, he says leave. Uh, but it wasn't just him, it was all the Egyptians. He said, please leave us, we're going to all be dead before this is over with. Right? And so whatever they asked of the Egyptians, the Egyptians were like, yeah, take it. Right? We don't care. Take our riches. Right? And so you see there, it says they spoiled them. Right? This is the prophecy that they would come out with great substance. Right? Because they took of the riches of the Egyptians. And so again, what you have here is also another type of the tribulation. Right? When you look at the ten plagues, you have these plagues coming down. And you can look in Revelation of some of the things that happen are similar. Uh, diseases and things of that nature. But what happens to Israel during that time? Well, nothing. Right? They're saved from it. They're preserved through it. Right? So again, that's God judging the wicked, but preserving Israel through the tribulation. Right? So again, you have that type uh, of the tribulation there. So again, all throughout the Old Testament, it's not just stories that you have. It's God's purpose. Right? And it's types of things to come. Right? And so you have to be aware of what God says will happen in the future to see how the past, right, shows that, right? Uh, so that was just kind of an introductory to the nation of Israel, how it began, and the reason for it, right? It wasn't just that God was bored and wanted something to do. He had a purpose that a seed would come, that seed would eventually sit on a throne, on a kingdom here on earth, and would establish righteousness, right? So you had to call out someone from a very wicked earth, uh, wicked humanity, to start that, right? Of course, that person was Abram, and he gives him a promise and starts a nation from him, right, to ultimately bring to pass the birth of Christ, right, the birth of that seed, the woman's seed, right. Uh, and so you see that in Matthew 1, it gives you the genealogy from Abraham all the way to Jesus Christ, right. That's the reason for that, um, showing that Jesus was that seed that fulfilled the promise to Abraham. Indeed, will a seed come that will be a blessing to all families of the earth. So with that said, any thoughts or questions?